You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Yes, and I was going to make jokes. Because uh, now I get to be here in the first time in like a year now, believe it or not. It has been a year since I've stepped into this church. But I've been watching live stream every, uh, every Sunday. And uh, every Sunday after service, I text John about his wardrobe and critique it. And uh, <laughs> so now I'm on the receiving end. So, yeah. So I don't, yeah, I got to be careful what I say. Um, you know, it's been a weird year, hasn't it? Yeah. Normally, whenever I speak, I try to address the elephant in the room. Because it's just the way life is, right? If you don't talk about it, then it just kind of goes on. The problem is, the elephant has been blown out of proportion and now actually been shot so many times. It's like, we're just done, okay? So, one thing I have been really blessed with in the last um, few months is God got to stretch me again and push me back overseas, which this is not a time you want to travel, just so you know. It is a different experience. And you got to remember, I was overseas in a country that the U.S. had barred access to the U.S. during 9-11. And I traveled during that time. It's worse now to travel than it was during then. So it is an interesting experience. Um, I laughed a lot on it. You have to. Uh, We have become to take our lives way too seriously. And I don't know what happened, but there is this verse in the Bible about the joy of the Lord, I don't know what happened to that. I really look around at people and the anger and bitterness and just frustration and I'm like, what happened to us? Um, It's okay to be concerned and have fears even. We all have fears. We've got to deal with them and address them. That's okay. We're here to walk that out with you, right? But the joy of the Lord, I don't know, man. It's Without that, what's the point of going on? Like, wow. And I have seen it from a different perspective than I thought. And I was very blessed. You've got to realize that right now, America is at a point that, it's at a good point. It's at a breaking point. Breaking points are good points to be at. It sucks to be in the middle of it. (laughs) But when it happens, God always uses it for His glory. So, there's going to be lots of issues and lots of stuff that come up, and you're going to have to deal with them and pray about it and do it in the most godly way you can, but just deal with it. Move on. What's going to come is going to come, and you're going to have to meet it head on. You can bury your head in the sand all you want. It's still going to come. So, just get used to it, and then learn how to actually have fun in this life. Like, have some joy. Rejoice with Him. So, uh, a few months ago, I was in Canada. I got stuck in Canada. Went to Canada, got stuck in Canada. Um, Most Americans, it's kind of funny right now, they don't realize that America is no longer let out of America. So, most uh, people don't understand, the U.S. borders are closed. Um, There is no transit for Americans in and out of the U.S. right now. The rest of the world has banned America from leaving. So, there is a lot of comments coming from me that I'm just going to hold my, because, yeah, I still am in the U.S., so I got to, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to be good. Um, <laughs> so right now, I look at it as a pressure cooker. You finally get to deal with your problems and not run away from them. 
And just how I get across the board, don't ask. Um, <laughs> long story. I, I was trying to get back. I think it was even August or July. I like John kept on saying, "Hey, can you cover this Sunday for me?" Yeah, sure. If I get across the border next week, uh, they extended the border closure. Uh, can't come. Can't come. Can't come. It kept on going. Of course, as we all know, the communications with government have not been very clear. And then we found out that actually, technically, I was allowed because I had a variance. And anyways, um, but it was God's timing. All this right now has taught me one thing. Wait on God. Don't step out until you hear his voice. A lot of times, even in my life and ministry, has always been about just stepping out and doing. Uh, sometimes I don't fully hear clear from God, and I just say, okay, I think it's you, God. I'm going to step out and go for it. Right now, it's been one of those moments where you weigh very carefully and hear very clearly before you do anything. And so I had made a commitment a few months ago. Somebody had uh, called me on a promise I had made. Never make promises publicly. First lesson of the day, just don't do it. Somebody will call you on it. I told somebody that if they ever needed my help in this ministry that was happening in Switzerland, that I would do it. I would go. Sure enough, get a phone call. He's like, guess what? Canadians are still allowed in Switzerland without having to quarantine. Can you come? Let me pray about it. You know, it's like, and then they're like, hey, can you teach on spiritual warfare? It's not my favorite subject to teach on in the world. Um, because I think everything is spiritual warfare. I think you shouldn't break everything up into little piles. But um, I said, okay, I'll, let me pray about it. And when I said yes after that, every fear of the world came upon me. It was really interesting. It was like I felt a single dad. I've got kids i got to be responsible. What happens if I get sick? This is not going into two of the hot spots of the world right now. What's going to happen? Yeah, all this stuff comes up. And I was sitting there one day, I got up and I was like, this is nuts, man. I'm just, I just said, God, you told me that this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm stepping out in faith saying, you're the one telling me to go, I'm going. That's it, done. I'm not going to question. He said, and then of course all the naysayers, well, you could get sick, you could get this. I'm like, yeah, you're right, 100%. It doesn't matter. God said, go, I go. There's zero and if I get sick thing. It's God says, I go. I've had to do this before, but this time was just a different one. It was weird. Okay, but you have to laugh. Okay, this is my personality type anyways. I just, I find suffering in my own life just fun. Um, <laughs> it's, you get these, yeah. So you get on a plane, okay? You got to think about this. The first thing that happens now on a plane, well, first off, you got to get your temperature checked like a thousand times. And I'm like, okay, like if I just caught it, it doesn't make any difference. So anyways, you get on the plane and I mean, the stewardess has come out like in hazmat suits. I mean, they're just like full bundled, like walking out in there and stuff. And I feel bad for them because they have to do this job. And, and first off, those things aren't exactly uh, cool. So it's got to be just a sweat fest the whole way. And I'm doing an international flight, so I'm on the plane for nine hours. Um, the greatest flight of my life, by the way. 20 people on a 280-person plane. Like, it wouldn't matter. Everybody was in first class. It didn't matter. It was like, we're getting this all space out everywhere. It was great. I was like, I don't know why everybody's scared of flying right now. No one's on the plane. Um, but yeah, and that's the thing. I had all this fear of travel. And I get on the plane, and it was fine. You know? And it's funny, because I had allergies at the time, because where I was from, the harvest was happening. Grain dust was in the air. I was sneezing. So you get on the plane, and you got, you know, you got to wear a mask the whole time, which whatever. I don't care. Um, Get on there and you start sneezing because you got allergies. And you go to sneeze and you're trying to hold it in because you're like, if somebody sneezes on the plane, the whole plane like, 
up against the walls, kind of like, they're all like, what's happening? And I'm just laughing, you know? And then you go to sleep, and you wake up, and you can't see anything because your mask is slid up over top of your eyes, you know? It's like, it's horrible. It's just funny, though. It's funny. I'm laughing. The stewardess were laughing. We all were having, like, everybody knew. And nobody on that plane was going for tourism. We all had something to do, right? And I was really just, yeah, God put me at ease on that trip. But when I got there, uh, I'm working with a whole bunch of outdoor ministries right now that are working with discipleship training, training other believers to go out around the world to spread the gospel. And this group, the oldest person was 24, I think, son of it. Um, I think the youngest was 17, which I haven't seen in a long time. Um, somebody that young going out. But I got there and there was like 14 or 15 of us that were involved in this. And I was teaching and they were on spiritual warfare. And it was it was an interesting experience because I realized that we do not teach on spiritual warfare enough in our churches anywhere in the world. I, I, I was stunned by that. Like I just literally opened it up and the amount of questions they had. I spent an entire week answering questions, hardly getting to my notes. It was just constant and hard questions too. Um, so good. So good. I realized every one of those kids, by the way, four of them were Americans. They had to get special visas. They had to wait for months to get them. They had to be in quarantine in Switzerland for several weeks before they were allowed in the general population and all this stuff. And they were just so excited to do it. They went through all of that so that they could get closer to God, so that they could go share God with others. And I started thinking about that, going, what is stopping the rest of us right now from doing what God's called us to do? And I was really proud of them, actually. Matter of fact, I told them that I'm going back in two months to meet them on their outreach. Because I said, i got to see what you guys do to the world. I want to see it firsthand. I want to see what impact you guys are going to have. Because this is a time in the world where we've never had anything like this. Do you understand you're in the cusp of one of the greatest opportunities of the gospel that has ever been on earth? But yet, what are you doing with it? I spent several months in lockdown, like the rest of us. You know, everybody's got that. And halfway through lockdown, I started realizing that um, God was telling me, you better get ready. Prepare for what's next, because the wave's coming. And I started feeling guilty of all the time I was wasting on this lockdown, worried about this, watching news, doing this, doing that, when God was saying, get ready for what's coming. And I was just floored with just how many people I was talking to who had that same idea, which God was putting into their hearts. From all over the world, by the way, people were telling me that they were waking up saying, God's got something coming. We need to prepare. The problem was, everybody kept on saying, we want to go back to the normal. And I'm like, what if there is never going to be normal again? Are you okay with that? And I was just like, this is going to be so much fun. And everybody's looking at all the sickness and disease and politics and natural disasters. Guess what? It's all happened before. It'll all happen again. Right? But we're missing something this time. Something to do with the church. And I'm not sure yet what it is. I can't put a finger on it. Because I see church trying, but I just don't understand what's going on. And I, I, I'm not blaming anybody because I'm part of this. For instance, when the plague happened back in what we call the Dark Ages, 
Where did everybody go when they got sick? Where did the government send people? To church. Why did they feel comfortable going to church? A lot of monks died. That's true. Not going to say it didn't happen. It, it happened. But why did they go there? Because they realized their soul was more important than their health. You know, that's something that we forget about. It happened during the Spanish influenza that happened during World War I. In 1918, we have a famous organization that got formed called the Red Cross. A bunch of ministries decided we've got to address both the health and the spiritual needs of these people. What's happening now? What are we doing as a church? What are we doing as believers? You know, I just trying to figure it out myself, saying, what am I supposed to do, God? How am I supposed to step out? What am I supposed to do? And it, is, it isn't easy. It isn't easy. I do know one thing is that gathering is still important. And if we're not actually getting together, and I love corporate. By the way, I get to watch um, worship via live stream. It's completely different. So if you're in Gunnison and you get the opportunity to sign up, come in, trust me. Um, it is. It's just different. But I don't know why. Worshiping with others is different, right? And so it is good. So I encourage you to, um, yeah, if you can sign up and come into church, come into church. Get in here. Fellowship. If you got to wear a mask, wear a mask. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. It, just come. Gather, right? It says gather in the Bible. Um, I have seen people have to wear a lot more than a mask to have to gather, by the way. So it's quite okay. It is okay. Just come, gather, worship God. Feel free to do that. And um yeah, just realize that this fellowship is important right now. We're breaking something in the spiritual realm. Because we're walking in an opposite spirit. Right now, this country's divided. Torn apart and hurting. What do you think the enemy thinks when a whole bunch of people come together and gather and worship? When we reunite as a community. Walk in the opposite spirit. And break down these walls that are happening. I am so excited for what's coming. Like, I mean, it was funny. I was with this guy from Switzerland, and he is a ball of energy, of excitement. Like, I wish I could just transport part of him here right now. Like, I mean, he was just like, I, I can't even describe how much excitement he has for what's going to happen. And I was just like, how can you be this excited and stuff? And we were talking about this. This is the first time in history that missions has gone out during a pandemic. I've been trying to research this over the last few weeks and realize that we have never had a mission movement that took place during a pandemic of any form, anywhere in the world, at any time. And I'm like, this is a point where this group was, by the way, this was the first group of missionaries that are actually going out. All the rest of them kind of did like school and teaching and then they went home because they couldn't fulfill going out into the mission field at the time. But this group decided that they were going to press in and find the countries that were open and just go for it. And I'm like, can you believe it's the 17-year-old and the 20-year-olds that are taking the gospel to the people who have never heard it and are hurting right now. And I'm sitting there going, and they're like stunned. They're like, can you give us advice? I'm like, are you kidding me? This has never happened in history. I said, you're teaching the rest of us how to do this now. You're taking the bold new step out to teach the gospel to places that we don't know how to do it. So I said, I'm coming to see you guys when you guys have done this. I said, I'll find a way. But I'll be there. I want to hear the stories. I want to see what God has done during this time. The miracles. And just so you know, this group of kids are just hilarious. Like, I mean, 
I was with him for a week. During that time, we had eight cars that broke down that we pushed up other people's. They were like, they're broke down the side of the highway. Everybody like, stop. And they're like, jump out. They'll push them up a mountain. By the way, there's no such thing as flat ground in Switzerland. I found that out. Um, <laughs> and it was just fun. Like, I mean, any moment of ministry opportunity in a country that's hurting, that people are having issues, they were just willing to serve. They just didn't care. They just were like, let's do it. And they had so much fun. Man, I haven't laughed that hard in years with those guys. And it was so fun. But they were so hungry for God. And I was so impressed by that. And I, I came back. I remember landing inside Calgary in Alberta, Canada, and had to drive to the border. And I'm going, all right, God, because honestly, you guys, it's been just a fiasco with borders. And I prayed about it, and I said, okay, Normally, you have to quarantine in the country you get into. Canada said, okay, we'll give you 24 hours to get out of the country without quarantine. I said, oh, give me two. I'm out of here. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, as long as they let me in. And then I, I hit the U.S. border, and it was like one of those things, again, praying. To, it was the most relaxed I've ever felt spiritually. Usually, it's pretty nerve-wracking because I get kicked out all the time. It's just one of those, mm. Honestly, yeah, it's like, how many times? It's just part of where I live, right? And overseas, usually, they just don't enjoy my company here um, so I got to the border and I just felt so relaxed like this is God's timing and it was so funny because I was the only person at the border just so you know uh, the fourth busiest border crossing in Canada in for the U.S. and I was the only one um, so at midday and I pull up and the border guard's like hey what you doing here I'm like, trying to get back in um, yeah, and I think he was just so stunned somebody wanted back in. He just was like, okay, <laughs> carry on. But it was God's timing again. Because I had been praying about coming and looking at how I was going to do this and what. And I really felt comfortable again with God's timing. So right now, I'm, one of the things I really wanted to share today was about stop focusing on what's happening right here, right now. Pray about God's timing and look forward to what's coming we're spending all this time dwelling in our own pity and self-wallow right now that we're not looking at what god has on the horizon for us yeah there's stuff happening right now we're going to have to deal with it but if you're so focused here and now we're missing what we're supposed to be prepared for when we're going and as uh <laughs> this is me not preparing. Annie and me texting on the way down. So I hit the border on Tuesday morning. I don't know, it was Wednesday probably you were texting me. She's like, hey, Justin, what's the, what's the message for uh, Sunday? Uh, give me 20 minutes, I'll get back to you. Like I'm driving through Utah texting her. I think we came up with, what was it, the incoherent babblings of a Canadian? Uh, I think it was the texting. <laughs> yeah, so literally it was like, how am I going to do? What do I, what do I want to share God after traveling, after being through all this? It's the hope of what's coming. It's the hope in Jesus Christ. We have just lost focus completely on what we are and who we are. And I am just like, and I did it. I was doing it. I was getting into that rut. And then God just, of course, dragged me out of it as usual. Um, kicking, by the way, usually. Um, but it was so good. And then I was sitting there going, where else in the Bible have I ever seen this kind of like, where were something huge has happened. Well, there's several times, by the way, you can look all the way back from Genesis and carry through the Bible. Where you see Israel constantly, you know, we've got plagues, we get uh, natural disasters. Moses, okay, you got to have some appreciation for Moses after going through this, right? Just think of all the stuff that went on during the Exodus 
And then he never even got to see the promise. Okay? Just so you know, some of us might not see the promise. That's okay. The joy is at walking it out with him and preparing the rest of them. By the way, what do you think Moses spent all his time doing? Helping the rest of them get ready for the promised land. So, I might not see it. I might not see the fulfillment of what this next wave is that God's bringing. Who cares? I, like I, The next generation will, and I get to see my kids get to see it, so I'm going to make sure they're ready for it. And I just look at this, and I was looking at Luke. And it's Luke 24, 13 through 35, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it will take us an entire month. Um, and I was looking at this on the way down. This, by the way, is like one of those moments of me not saying I was driving, texting, and reading. Um, <laughs> and the highways are busy right now, just so you know. It's really hard to get more than one verse in. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I grew up in a farm town where, you know, you could tell. John will relate to this. Farmers will be out in their fields. And I have a lot of really good, solid, believing friends that were missionaries. And they come home to help during harvest and seeding and you would go back about mid-summer and you'll see a line down the field that's just like this and, and it's like what were you doing and it was one of my friends who worked in a place called Djibouti in Africa and he was reading he would always be reading his bible because he'd be in a tractor for like you know you know, like 12 hours straight and he'd be just like reading it and the line down the field like, so harvesting sucked that by the way doing that one but it's just that was me on the highway and yeah I'm sorry for everybody I offended and annoyed um, but this is a famous part of the Bible uh, in Luke is when after Jesus was crucified, he had already been buried, or he died, buried, and rose again. And it's called the Road to Emmaus. And and I have a good friend who actually is writing a book about this right now. And it is a really interesting study to do. We get so caught up with the here and now. What's happening around us? We forget that God's with us and He's got a plan for us. Now in this chapter from the road of Emmaus, it talks about Jesus, He has two men walking down the road, right? And they're heading to a village called Emmaus. And they were talking about everything that happened. Has anybody heard this? What happened in the news today? What happened in politics today? What's happening with the virus today? What's the new you know, natural disaster? What, what's the new hornet that's killing all of us? Um, I love this country. It's great. Um, it's like, and you have two people talking about what's happening. And they're discussing everything with each other. And then Jesus walks up along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now part of me wonders, who kept them from recognizing him? Was it God or was it just everything that they were going on in their mind? Every word they were saying, all the doubts, all the worries, everything that just permeating through them that they didn't see Jesus with them. And he and it was classic, you know. What are you guys discussing, you know, as you're walking along together, you know, and, and it's so classic Jesus. Like, what are you worrying about? What are you guys talking about? What's going on? And they stood still with their faces downcast. And one of them speaks and it says, uh, we're visiting Jerusalem. How, how does it not know the things that have happened in these days? And he's like, what things? We're so focused on the here and now. We're so focused on what is taking place here that we don't raise our head up anymore and look at the heavens and look at the opportunities around us. These guys were walking with Jesus. 
to the cross. They were in Jerusalem. They were disciples of his. And now they don't even recognize him. How could your spirit not be, by the way, and the Holy Spirit's in them and it doesn't even, you know, get drawn? You let worries and doubts into your life, it will quash the Holy Spirit. You will quit hearing that little prick saying it's me. That voice of God saying, I want you to do this. You let all those into your life, it's just done. It's quiet. So, focusing on the here and now, and, and they're walking down this road, and even it's kind of funny about, he was a prophet and a powerful man, you know, they're trying to describe Jesus or God to Jesus. And I was, I was like, how would I describe Jesus to him? How would I actually, I thought about that when I was reading this. I wonder how I would do that. How would I describe who Jesus is to Jesus? Interesting. Loving, kind. What would I use? What would the words be? Prophet. What would I actually tell him? You know? I, I don't know. I think he's got a really dry, sick sense of humor sometimes when it comes to me. But it's, what would I call him? You know? And it talks about how the chiefs and the rulers have put him to death and crucified. And he goes on and on about all this what's been happening. And then it even goes to the fact at the part about like when 23 and 24 where it talks about the angels you know, that came and these women had saw them. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found that just as the women had said, it was empty. They didn't see Jesus. So here they're describing this whole resurrection of Jesus to Jesus. We just went through the resurrection. I was like, okay, this is just a weird conversation to start with. But they still didn't recognize. Can you imagine looking at walking next to Jesus in your spirit, not even being able to recognize him because you're so full of doubts and worries, and yet trying to tell him about the joy and the about the resurrection? How did you miss that? How does that not correlate? And I don't blame these two, by the way, because I'm starting to wonder if I'm not that person now. Walking down that road with friends and us not even recognizing Jesus with us and what he is doing. And then it's so funny as it goes on when he actually goes further down. By the way, the greatest moment ever is when these people say, hey, why don't you just stay with us overnight? Because he was traveling. He was going to travel on. They were like, hey, why don't you just come stay with us? I still love that part because it shows something about uh, believers, regardless of what they're in. Step out and offer hospitality, love, kindness, whenever you have the opportunity. And so they did. He, you know, pretty cool. Jesus decides to stay with them. Uh, I kind of hope someday that I get to invite him into my house for a meal. And then he did the one thing that I just loved. He took the bread and gave thanks. And their eyes were opened. And part of me wonders if that's not the whole doubt and fear just going. You know, the whole communion again. Lay your fears at this table. Lay your you know, your wants, your desires, everything. Yeah. And it's funny because afterwards, in 32, I think this is the part that really want to hit on. They asked each other, the two of them say, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked to us, with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Yet the worries and doubts and fears didn't even let them recognize him. You must admit, during this time, it was crazy. People were being rounded up, persecuted, killed, that anybody who was named as a follower of Jesus was fleeing. The disciples fled. They're all locked up in a room in Jerusalem hiding, by the way. like We like to church it up and say they all gathered together for worship. 
Nope, they uh, they were locked in a room hiding, okay? And I'm not saying that was a stupid move either. Um, that's what happened. And then, of course, Pentecost happened shortly after this. But they were hiding. They were fearful. They were scared. They let what was happening around the world blind them from Jesus being there. I'm looking at us right now going, how much of us are blind? How much of us let all this stuff just stop us from doing what God's called us to do? And I'm not saying that it's not okay to be concerned um, with sickness. It's not a, it's a fine. Like, I have been in places where I have seen Ebola spreading. I have seen, oh, cholera was constant where I work, and and, and tuberculosis in the wintertime where I usually live. It's just rampant. And so, you, you know, you're, one of my best friends, a doctor, she was, she caught it one winter, and and it was just horrendous for her. But it doesn't stop us from doing what God calls us. We have to take precautions. That is absolutely loving to do. Um, but we also have to do what God calls us to do in a loving way. All right. Um, I've watched churches around the world do things differently. Um, I've watched churches fail at this. Um, and I've watched churches not getting the opportunity that God has given us right now. If God is calling us to something new, if this is a new way, by the way, every single time we've seen something like this happen inside of churches around the world, God bursts something different. And I don't know why, first off, we like normal. Normal to me is stagnant. I hate stagnant. I, I just taught in a school. Somebody actually taught. I love these students, by the way. And if man, I wish everybody could meet these guys. They ask me questions like this, Justin. I'm not okay going further into this whole spiritual warfare thing. I'm at my limit, man. I, I don't think I can push further with God on this. Is it okay if I just stop? And I looked at him. I said, "That is a great question." I said, "Here's the problem." The road to heaven, as we describe it, is always uphill. If you stop, you'll stay standing there for a bit. Eventually, you slide back. A little bit at a time. A little bit and a little bit. And then if you're on TELUS, you just go, um, and you're gone. You know? And that's just part of our walk. We stay stagnant, we go. You can't stop. So I don't know why we came up with the whole normal idea. Because my whole normal is continually pushing into God pressing forward into the unknown and being challenged. So I'm more in a camp right now of saying, I don't want any kind of normal because that's stagnant. I want to go into what God has next for us. This next season of amazing ministry opportunities. I'm looking at Gunnison right now going, oh my Lord, this is amazing, God. That this opportunity around us to show love and compassion to people. To show, to go pray for them. You know, in help them with their groceries. Go pray. And, and I've already heard stories from in here of people doing that, by the way. And that, I'm so thankful for that. Reinventing how church is done. You know, I was in a place where uh, this last week was probably one of the weirdest worship services I've ever had in my life. Um, we went into a cave two miles underground and it opened into a giant cathedral. Like it just like, and the whole, there was about 14, 15 of us, I guess, 
And actually, the funniest was this two-and-a-half-year-old because he didn't even have to crouch. He could just, like, fly through the cave. The rest of us are all, like, trying to wiggle our way through, and this was just amazing. And one of them's like, we're just doing this, going up to this, up to this high uh, restaurant. Everywhere in Switzerland has, like, this, uh, every mountaintop has a restaurant. And there's no roads up there. I still have not figured out how they build all these things. Um, and we're going up there because we knew there was a bunch of tourism that, that local tourists that hang out and stuff. And we wanted to go hang out with them and pray with them and stuff. But we got in this cave and the one guy's just like, can we just stop and worship? And I mean, it was an amazing time of worship. Just echoing and just this amphitheater. It's just a cathedral is what they called it. And it was amazing. And I'm like, I don't need to go into a church to go gather and have worship but I do need to have people with me to have that community worship. I can worship God on my own. That's fine too. But there was that moment where it just rung out throughout that whole cave. It was amazing. So I think that was something that I learned and I was just like, the opportunities are there for us to do things differently. Gunnison, you can have worship outside. You know, why not? This is one of the most beautiful places on earth. You know, great culture. You can do it in the winter. Now, Karen's just about to slap me saying, have you ever tried playing your guitar <laughs> outside and cold? Yeah, th that is the downside. Um, but there's no reason to worry about the, us gathering just in the building. Love it. I absolutely love it. But there's no reason for us to have this church once a week either. So Nepal, I always remember that. The church happened uh, six days a week in Nepal. And I just ran rampant. I was just like, but everybody was excited to go to church. Like, excited to get there. Plus, none of them had social media, so that might have been part of it. So, um, yeah, the curse that has plagued all of us. Um, but that is true. They, they would love to go to church. And I start to wonder, that has changed that nation, by the way. You, you don't understand. That was a Buddhist Hindu culture that was so oppressive. And now the gospel has a hold there. And it's spreading. And it's from those people taking up the, the gauntlet and saying, hey, I'm willing to do this. I want to do this. I'm hungry for you, God. It is amazing. And I've been hearing stories during this whole, because they've had just as many problems. By the way, it's not just America that has this. It's the entire planet. Um, Nepal has suffered horribly, too. And a lot of places, unlike America, they decided to shut down areas in high mountain, so like where I used to live, uh, there's access that you can't get to except for one single road. And it's way, way up on the mountain. Well, they started cutting the districts off so that it wouldn't spread. The problem is, in the winter, there's no food in this. So starvation was starting. People were starting to have problems. So we were figuring out how to get church groups that we had church plants all in these little places and praying for them and saying, hey, you guys, can you, because you're only allowed to go, well, i got to do the math. 50 kilometers, uh, 27, 80, 30 miles, 30 miles, something like that away, and from their homes. So that's not very far in the mountains up there. And so what we did was we started doing tag teams. And they could, you had to be back at your house by nightfall. So we had one church group, which was only like six people. Right? Our churches are, you know, average six. Um, and they would take food that we would buy at the capital. They would truck it to there. Then I would have them carry it, you know. And when we're talking carry, they carry... 100-pound bags of rice on their backs up the mountains, you know, to transport it to another church group that would go back home and then next morning go to the next one and to keep on going so we could get it to the places that needed it. 
They were not taking them to other believers. They were doing all this so that they could reach their fellow people, that they could get up and start taking care of the needs of the hungry and the hurting. And yeah, they gave them opportunities to tell them why they're doing it, but they didn't just do it because they were going to other church peoples. That wasn't their goal. Their goal was to get the gospel out and to show the love, which is part of the gospel, right? So, and it was an amazing experience for them. And so for me, I've been watching this happen one, you know, little pocket at a time around the world, and I got to get back out and see it. And I think when I came back to the U.S., it was, I'll be honest with this one, I came back with a little bit more fear than I even did traveling overseas. Because right now, America, the, uh, you're so isolated in a bubble. It is a pressure cooker, so you never know what's going to go off. Um, and all you know of what's happening in here for the rest of the world is media. Right? There's no, nothing else in the world. Like, nobody's traveling. It's really hard to get in and out of countries right now. Um, and so the rest of the world, all they know about America is what they're seeing in media. Now, I'm not sure if anybody's watched the media. <laughs> I think the rest of us have decided to stop. You can imagine what the rest of the world thinks. There is actually a big fear of America in the rest of the world right now. A huge fear of Americans right now. And that is not the truth, by the way. That is a lie. And actually, my daughter, who absolutely was born in Montrose, and, you know, she's in Canada right now, and I was, we were talking about this, and she said, Dad, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And I actually sat her down, and we were talking, and I said, hey, do you remember like going to church and doing this and stuff? Do you think Barb would think that? Do you think you know John would think this? And, and we know Gary is one anyway. So, um, <laughs> like, uh, um, but it's those type of things, right? And we were sitting there, and she goes, you're right, Dad. I love these people. You know, and she was talking about Harper. She's like, I can't wait to go see her and babysitter and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, that is the truth. Is there are amazing people who are hungry for God, who still have morals and values, and are still walking them out in this country. But the media did not show that to the rest of the world. And so, even coming back in, I was like, okay, what do I believe, Justin, about this? I believe that the church is an amazing group of people. All churches. And that anyone following God is an amazing believer. Anyone who's not following God, I can't wait to talk to him about it. This country has so much potential. Yeah, it's hurting. Greatest, greatest things that have ever happened in history, everyone, countries are hurting. They have questions. But unless you're willing to answer those questions and be out there, they're just going to be hurt and lost. And this is our job, to go out and answer these questions. Love these people. We have to do it in a loving way. Some of them say, hey, I don't want you in my house. Can we meet outside? I, you have to wear a mask when you're around me. Fine. What does it matter? Let's do it. There are ways we can do this and still show love. But their spirits are hungry and hurting. And unless we get there, the enemy will beat us to it otherwise. And if you think America is in rough shape now, you can imagine America without the church. That is scary. Okay? So this is your task. This is your opportunity. This is your time. 
in the world to make a difference. Don't shrink back from it. It's a lot of fun. You know, you don't have to change the entire county, by the way. It's your next door neighbor that's in need right now. It's that one person at school. That's it. That's all you have to change. That's all you got to do is show love to them. One person. That's all God's asking right now is give one person um, some love. And to me, that seems like a daunting task right now for some reason, and it shouldn't be. It should be just easy. Invite them over and, and um, have in our, your backyard and stuff. And, and I have a really good friend who's Nepali, um, happens to be, everybody who knows my family is just a mixed up of adopted children, picked up children on the side of the road. Anyways, we have so many children in my, I don't even know who's who anymore in my family. Anyways, we have one Nepali boy, and uh, he's like five, and he's, oh man, he's, his birthday's here this week. Um, and uh, his uh, aunt comes over once in a while and hangs out with us and stuff, and she actually works in the COVID in the hospital, and she's always, she's not allowed to go out much, because the hospital regulates how much contact she has and stuff, just for safety, and she's fine with it. But she, there's no reason she can't come and sit in my backyard and hang out with us and bring me a lot of really good food. <laughs> um, <laughs> ministry has benefits, okay? Just and, and especially when it comes to like Asian food, man, there's some good benefits. So don't look at this as a, as a daunting thing that looks... I'm sick and tired of watching Christians with downcast faces and, and we are supposed to laugh and have fun too. Who wants to come to Jesus when they look at us? Like, come on. Like, if I'm sitting there just glum and groomy and arguing and telling people to back off and get away from me and, you know, hand gesturing on the drives and all this kind of fun stuff, who wants to be like me? Right? Like, nobody. And I think we far too long have quit enjoying being believers. Quit showing the joy and love of Jesus Christ through every part of our life. I don't want to go to a place where no one's laughing and having fun. You know, have you ever been to an African worship service? Okay, it's a, it's a little over the top even for me. Uh, the amount of singing, dancing, and laughing, it's, it's up there, man. It is up there. And it is a lot of fun. It's contagious. You leave there with a giant smile on your face. I'm like, hmm, I, I could use more of that sometimes than the ones where it's just the whole reflective one. I don't mind reflective worship services. It's fine. We need to go inward once in a while. But there's something about that just letting go and having fun and laughing that brings my spirit back to life. So, praise God for the Africans and all the African worship services and we need more of them and uh, in our culture. So, I really challenge everybody that as you go on this walk, you're on your own walk with Emmaus right now. You know, and God's with you. There might be one person next to you on your walk with you. But I know God is with us all. And we're going off into our own communities. And it's a daunting adventure that's coming. We don't even know what the next thing is. All we know is there's people with us. And God's with us. And let's have some fun with it. Let's laugh again. Let's go out and enjoy Let's, yeah, stop somebody in the street and just say hello and pray. And I love this town, by the way. Like, I mean, I went over to Firebrand the other day and yesterday, pick up the phone to order. My phone, Heidi gets on. Justin! I'm like, 
I haven't been here in a year. How can you recognize my voice on the phone? You know, and she comes running out and she's like, where have you been? And stuff. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how? How do you know? And like the joy she had was way out more than not mine. But I was just like, how is this? This is a perfect opportunity just to respond in the same spirit, the love, the joy. It's great to see friends and just be able to rejoice with them and tell them what you're doing and pray with them. So in this season, I really encourage you that as you're on your own walk here for the Mayas, you're not alone. You're on this path with others, right? Come together, worship, pray together, read your Bibles together. Enjoy this time with God, but know there's something big coming. And if you're not ready for it, it's going to leave us all behind. And if any time in this history of the U.S., this is it, by the way. I was thinking about this other day in the history of America. I can't think of another breaking point like this. Of course, I'm not that old, but others, Tim, Tim might have one. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding, buddy. Um, (laughs) So, let's take the most of it. Let's take this country back for God. In a loving way, too. Let's do it the way we're supposed to do it. And let's stand up for it this time and not shrink back. All right? And I just really wanted to encourage you because I think Americans are starting to believe the rhetoric. The rest of the world has already started to believe the rhetoric about America. I'm not going to. I'm going to stand up and believe the best of what God has for this nation and its people. And the only way to do that is to walk in the opposite spirit. So let's do it. Let's just do it. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to leave it there. I got one scripture in, thankfully. John, otherwise, this is like... Anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, come on. I criticized you enough on, 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 on live before. So I just want to pray quick on this before we finish. Lord, I believe this. I believe that you have chosen this church and all of your people in America to walk this out for joy, for laughter, for just your kingdom. And Father, I stand against the enemy right now. I stand against all this junk that's being spoken out against people. I, Lord, we release the opposite spirit. We release love, joy, happiness. We release all this into this nation once again, Father, and into this community. I bind fear. Father, it's great to be concerned in a loving way for people, but not fearful of what the enemy can do. So, Father, I pray right now for that release. We bind fear. We release your spirit, the joy and happiness to this whole county, this whole valley. And through that, may it spur the whole nation. And we thank you so much for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's just say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And we'll do this next. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Good to see everybody. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.